one of my favorite questions is I'll ask them, what's your greatest strength in softball? So they could say, you know, pitching or hitting or whatever. And so if they say pitching, I'll say, okay. So if I took away pitching tomorrow and you couldn't pitch for the rest of your life, what would you bring to the program? And just smack them with that, right? Like if I took away your best ability on the field, what would you and what could you contribute to our program? And then, it, you know, if they come here, it's like, okay, cool. So that intangible that you told me, you bring every single day. Some days you're going to hit well, some days you're not. But that intangible is consistent. And, you know, you kind of lay it out right off the bat with the expectations. Hey, I'm Ashley Agel. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off, or welcome to if you're new. I am so excited I get to introduce you to one of my greatest, most selfless friends that I know, and her name is Molly Fickner. After doing this interview with her, I realized she probably should have been a season one interview because of how incredible she is, but I am so lucky to bring her to you today. Recently, I played in a celebrity softball game, if you saw that on social media, and it was run by her. She thought it would be really cool to invite people like Haley McClenney, Odyssey Alexander, Aaliyah Andrews, Amanda Scarborough, and myself, and many more, to Monroe, Louisiana to, one, meet her team, interact with her team, but also play in front of fans in Monroe to raise funds, but just have a good time around the game of softball. And it was one of its kind. It's never happened before. There was a really cool article written up about it from a former guest. Justin McLeod was there. I'll make sure to tag that in the show notes, but it was an absolute blast. And we talk about it a lot in this interview. We did this a few days after when we were still on a high from the weekend, but she's an incredible person. And I'm so excited to bring you an episode with her today. A little bit about Molly. She started her collegiate career at the University of Texas, San Antonio, so UTSA. She's from Houston. She finished her career at the University of Alabama. And this is crazy. She talks about it in the interview, but she walked on to Alabama because she knew she wanted to be a head coach one day and she wanted to learn from the coach Patrick Murphy. It's a pretty cool story. Then she became an assistant at Dartmouth for two years. Um, She also worked as a volunteer for Alabama right after she left. Um, And when she was within those two years, it was when we played together for the Dallas Charge. Don't mind Barrett. He wants to be a part of this conversation. 
<laughs> and then she became the assistant coach at East Carolina. And finally, at 26 years old, she became the head coach at the University of Louisiana Monroe, where she is today. In our conversation, you will find our weekend in Louisiana and the celebrity softball game, as mentioned, with some of my great friends in the game. And I got to learn from a couple more. We interacted with her team. We saw her brand new facility, which she gets really excited to talk about. And we also met some loyal community members of Monroe, Louisiana. And it was incredible getting to see who was the backbone behind this brand new facility that ULM has now. We also talk about how she doesn't feel like her job is even a job. She has the most fulfilling life as a coach, and it is her mission to make sure her athletes find something that they do with as much joy that she has for what she does. She also talks about her softball journey growing up in Houston and her unique perspective playing with type 1 diabetes. It was an incredible journey for her, and I'm so glad she stuck with it because she wouldn't be in my life if she gave it up when she found out she had diabetes. She also talks about how she was able to raise millions for a top-tier softball facility as mentioned, which includes a film room, a team room, a library slash study hall, a kitchen. There's so much more and it's so cool what she's been able to build for her athletes. She also talks about the biggest lessons that she learned from playing with Coach Murph, the most important qualities of a leader and the importance of adopting core values to your team, the things that we should be praising as coaches, how to build a top tier culture, because she definitely knows how to do that, and how she's recruiting the person before the player. And of course, a little bit more. If y'all want to know how to be a better coach, a better person, an athlete, you have come to the right place. So let's get right into it. I am so pumped for this conversation, probably because I'm still on a high from this past weekend in Monroe, Louisiana, but Molly Fickner, welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Oh my gosh, Ashley, I'm so excited to be here. I've listened to your podcast. I love it. It's it's surreal to just be even you know interviewed by you. Oh gosh. So for those that don't know, we played together for a couple of years for the Dallas Charge, and you were one of those people where I was like... I love this girl. I can't figure out why yet. And then over time, you're just like, you are the most genuine person I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm not joking. Oh, you truly are. Oh, like, thank you. Like it was about time you've been on the podcast. Jeez, I should have interviewed you <laughs> season one. Um, but I'm just so pumped to have you here. We were just talking how um, we had Murph on, who was your college coach. And he was like, I think Molly could definitely run for mayor of Monroe and win. <laughs> and I told multiple people that this past weekend and they were like, yes, she would. Oh, my she God. Would. Oh my God. Uh, he's so funny. He, he's awesome. Yes. Well, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about Murph and um, his influence on your career as a coach and a player. Um, but before we dive into that, let's talk about this past weekend because... I, I rant about it on social media and I, I don't know if people like know exactly what was going on. They just know softball was happening. So can you give us like your bird's eye view of what this past weekend was all about for you and ULM? You know, it's uh, it's pretty surreal to look back at it, to be honest with you. Uh, it was just a random idea I had in July. I was driving from one field to the next out recruiting and I'm like, how cool would it be 
if we just started calling people, we put together a team, right, of celebrities from all over the country, and they we fly them into Monroe, and they play our team. And and then, of course, I call Coach Wodak, and she's like, all right, well, um, how is that going to actually work, right? You have <laughs> some that have been out of, you know, the game for five or ten years. You've got some that are you know, going to be competing in the 2028 Olympics. Hooray for that. Right. And, you know, current former, and we don't want anyone to get hurt. We want everyone to have a good time. And so then we just started brainstorming and we were like, we can do this thing. Well, we'll, we'll get creative. And first phone call was Haley McClinney. And she just said, give me the date and I'll be there. And so we started with that, of course, called you, had you come out um, and, uh, and a lot of other people. And so, the most important going into the weekend was, yes, I mean, it was awesome for people from Monroe to come in and, and watch the game and for the community. It was incredible. I think the most special was for the players, though, for our student athletes. They were able to hang out and talk with these celebrities for an entire weekend. You know, I mean, we had two hosts, two, two of our players were the hosts for each celebrity and they got to hang out. They got to drive y'all places and pick your brain and those relationships that's what it was all about and then rolling out the red carpet for for you guys when you got here those were you know kind of the two primary goals going into the first year we don't know what to expect but we know one thing they're going to be treated right and then our players are going to have relationships that are going to last a lifetime oh for sure and there was a literal red carpet i was not expecting that when they announced our team i don't remember who rolled it out but there was a red carpet outside of the dugout i'm like this is literally a rolled out red carpet. But yes, I can't tell you how amazing G and Buck were. They were, they were my, that's their nicknames. Um, but <laughs> they were my host for the weekend. And I'm telling you, G especially was like, we are driving you everywhere. Like, I want to spend as much time with you as possible. And uh, they literally, and you know this, but they printed off a picture of me, my husband and our son Barrett from like a Cubs baseball game and framed it. And it was in my hotel room when I showed up. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, Molly did this. And then I found out that was them. And yeah. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. You are such an awesome leader for these athletes. And they're just such good people. They're just such good people. Like, they are. Is it is it fun going to work every day, Molly? Oh my gosh, I, I love it. It's, uh, I tell them all the time that, what I want for them more than anything is have a fulfilling career the way I do. And I don't even look at it as a job. Uh, I know Coach Wodak and I talk all the time. She's in the other room about it. There's just so much fulfillment. It doesn't ever feel like work. It's it's fun. It's it's exciting. And every morning I get up and I'm so excited to go to work. But of course, I'm so upset to leave Renata and the dogs. And then at the end of the day, I'm so excited to go home to Renata and the dogs. But I'm so sad to leave work. And it's like this constant tug of war. And that's what I want for all of them one day. You know, whatever career path they choose is to be able to be as fulfilled as we are in this, in this, you know, where we're at. And our student athletes, I mean, they get 98% of the credit for that because they're wonderful human beings. Mm -hmm. You've recruited some amazing ones. Can you share with us a little bit about your softball journey from like, I know you're gonna have to probably think back to when you first started, but I always like having my guests share their journey and their story because it might match up right along with somebody listening. So can you just share a little bit of your journey, playing, now coaching journey, um, 
for the audience? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, growing up, like most people that love sports, you kind of play everything, right? Very athletic, wanted to be, I say very athletic. Yeah, I had to work for it, okay? Like it wasn't, it wasn't natural. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I loved competition. I loved competing, no matter if I was good or not. And um, basketball, tennis, whatever it was, softball. And right around my seventh grade, eighth grade year, my dad was like, hey, look, I think you should probably choose a sport and go with it. And um, I chose softball. And around that time as well, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, it was almost like a, I don't know if she'll ever play. I don't know if she'll ever make it. And uh, I guess for some reason, the competitor in me was like, nope. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I can I can take my ability as far as I can. So I kept working at it, loved the game, loved it. Uh, my parents were extremely supportive. My sister was supportive and um, ended up having the opportunity to go to University of Texas, San Antonio. I was born and raised in Houston, so not far from home. I uh, went there for two incredible years, learned a lot, uh, loved my teammates, loved the location. And then after two years, I decided that college coaching was what I wanted to do. Um, I tried the PT route. I tried the architecture route. Like I tried everything and I'm like, no, coaching's it. You know, what better platform to impact people coaching the sport I love? So after two great years there, I, I decided to walk on to the University of Alabama and uh, learn from a Hall of Famer, Patrick Murphy. Uh, just about coaching and what it looks like to have a, a a winning you know program, right? How do they how do they how do they do this year in and year out? What does it look like? What's different? What's that secret ingredient? And I'll never forget my first day at Alabama. I brought this big old spiral, and Murph was mm -hmm. writing or talking in it. It's like every single word I was writing down. Ashley it was hilarious, just taking it in, taking it in. My teammates were laughing at me and. You know, and I spent two great years there, uh, had some wonderful teammates um, and talking back, back back to the celebrity, you know, our girls got to experience what I experienced my first year at Alabama. And I was in the clubhouse and Jessica Mendoza walked in mm. and I, my eyes welted up. Like I was having tears because my team and my teammates were like, Molly, what's wrong? And I'm like, that is Jessica Mendoza. <laughs> she's like in my presence right and I went through that as a player and now you know that's what our girls went through and and then after that I jumped straight into coaching uh played professional with you of course and uh was a volunteer for Murph uh, after I graduated for one year went to Dartmouth for two years and then came down to East Carolina and then uh at 26 years old I was hired at Louisiana Monroe as a head coach and been here ever since love it so cool it's so cool Wow. That's so amazing. I, I didn't hear this Jessica Mendoza story before. So what was it about having her around that, you know, truly, I don't know, helped you just realize that like, whoa, this is a big moment in my career. It, just meeting someone. You know, I, I don't cry much, uh, to be honest with you. Like I just don't. Um, and when I walked in, it's it's almost like a surreal moment of, I've seen you my whole life. I've watched you compete. Olympics, like everything you ever dreamed of, it's like this figure, right? That, you know, is almost untouchable. And then here she is five feet from me saying my name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she knows my name. Um, and it's just one of those most impactful moments of my life. And, you know, now the cool part is it's it's 360. And now our players got to experience it with you guys. You know, Gianni... Mm. 
after you left, Gianni, yesterday, she was in the um, leadership center with me and she's pulling out her phone and she's showing me all's text thread and how excited <laughs> she is to show me pictures and videos of Barrett, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's relationships like that that you're going to remember forever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of surreal because... I don't know. You probably, if you were asked to be a celebrity for this game, you wouldn't be like, you'd probably be like, I'm not a celebrity. I, that's kind of how I felt. I'm just like, okay, Haley McClenney, definitely a celebrity. (laughs) I never really look at myself that way, but you know, to see the impact that just like having a conversation, just a real human conversation with, you know, current athletes in the game, it was just so fun. It was so fun because they, she asked all the questions, you know, like in a good way. Like she just wanted to know, you know, what does it take? to be great. And I even asked her, she's probably gonna be mad that I'm mentioning this. I was just like, how do you feel about this upcoming season? She's like, I'm honestly kind of nervous. And I'm like, okay, why? And she was just kind of telling me, I'm just like, just remember what got you here is what got you here. Get really good at the things that you're good at and just keep just, I know this sounds so cliche, just like every day show up just to get a little bit better. You're not trying to make a giant leap. And like, when you go to compete, like, I don't care how tall you are, because that was one thing she was talking about. I don't care how tall you are. Yeah. Like Amanda Scarborough is here. She was an All-American at her height. You know, like it doesn't matter. That is the beautiful thing about this game. If you show up and you compete until your face is blue, you're going to be in a fine place. Yeah. Trust me. Which, yeah. which was actually really funny because with your celebrity team that you guys had, you know, there was two innings where you guys lost and it was, um, y'all lost the rabbit race. And then yeah, you set us up for failure, by the way, with that rabbit race. But here's what's hilarious. So y'all lost that. And then you lost the home run derby. Yeah. All I remember is you guys, as competitive as you were, you were like, there's no way that like, you know, we should have started at second base. We should like, y'all were so competitive. And I'm like, that is the it factor of why y'all are on the celebrity status is because of that that competitiveness. uh Uh-huh. We were not losing, but like, here's the thing. Your, your players, this were running on turf. They were wearing cleats so they can actually dig into the ground. And also they're running a true home run. We're running a home run from second. So that means we have to somehow try to push off of home plate without trying to slip and fall on our face. I was so nervous. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to pancake it. Like there's no way like, and it was, yeah, it was funny, but we were, you're right. Like we were so competitive Um, And when we lost those two, I remember us getting together and we're like, we are not losing again. Like (laughs) we're still winning. We're finding a way to win. But no, you're right. Like that's, that's what it took. And we did end up winning by the way. Um, You did. You did. It was, it was so fun. It was fun to see Ray hit a home run. It was just all together. It was just an incredible weekend. It was, I think my favorite moment was when you came out in (laughs) all of your gear to catch Sid. And then you literally got to throw down to Renata and throw out one of your players. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I'm like, surely she's not going to go. I haven't thrown more than 40 feet. I haven't played in 10 years. You know, like all this is going and she takes off and I'm like, oh, here we go. And, you know, I barely got it there. I didn't. And I obviously had to bounce, but um, yeah. I mean, you got it done. We, I remember being at uh, first, everybody was talk, telling her, like, try to steal, try to steal. Because you're only in there catching for one inning. So yeah. they're just like, just steal. And is she one of your, like, does she steal a lot of bases or no? No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, then still, like, I don't care. Like, you threw her out. It was so epic and awesome. But oh, yeah. how cool. Just everything about this weekend was amazing. Especially, I will say this, getting to know um, key 
people in your program that aren't even part of the program. They're just local softball, huge fans. So can you share a little bit about, um, we got to do a tour of your brand new facilities and you guys have, it's dressed to the nines. Like (laughs) you have a kitchen in your team room. You have a film room. Like I've never, except for some like top, top programs, stepped in a film room in a softball environment locker room, a little study hall library with a bunch of, you know, books that, you know, I love because they're all mental game books. Like you have turf, you have like an amazing hitting tunnel, a pitching tunnel, like dress to the nines, Molly. But like, I know you didn't do that alone. Can you shout out those people that kind of helped make all of this dream of yours happen? Absolutely. Well, the first person is obviously Renata, right? I mean, she's seen me over the past five years and um, has helped me tremendously with certain ideas and things that that I bring home. Um, also, Wodak. I mean, Wodak's been with me. You know, the first year was a blur. I don't even remember what happened my first year here. And then, you know, when COVID started and shut everything down, you know, Wodak was with me and she, her and I were the visionaries behind it. Right? We went down there and we're like, what do we need to do? You know, what do we have to do to, to make sure that our current student athletes have what they need and then the future student athletes have what they need? And and then we just started thinking, dreaming big. And, um, you know, all it takes is one person to get excited. And then that one person then tells two people and then those two people tell two more people. And it absolutely just erupted more than I ever could have imagined. During a pandemic, we raised $1.7 million for a softball program that hadn't won. Um, wow. And it's just, you know, at least in recent years, I think the last time we had gone to a regional was in the 90s. And so for people to invest and see what we were doing in the community, and um, I attribute a lot of it to our, our current student-athletes and former student-athletes too, as far as getting out in the community, building those relationships, and then the community members want to give back. And so when you start a big project, those communities, community members want to get on board because they have these relationships and you saw them now, right? Like they know how to create relationships and then it's hard not to want to support them. And I got to tell you, uh, Marguerite and Daryl Dozier, the one who hosted the brunch, they were the ones that actually full circle. They were, they brought the naming rights Uh, Gretchen Sanger and Carol Young for the Leadership Center. It's called the Sanger Young Leadership Center. Mm -hmm. Marguerite and Daryl Dozier were the ones that brought them to the table. Wow. It was insane. We didn't even know them. Wow. Word of mouth. But like, that's just a testament, Molly, to the type of person you are. Like, I'm not saying you're a saleswoman, but like when you want something, like you know how to get it. (laughs) You know, like if you know this is going to help not just your program, but the athletes that come you know, during and after, you know, all of this is is put together. Like you just know how badly that it's needed and you can get anybody on board. Like, I think it's just a testament. And like the fact that like all of us celebrities came down and like come support, like it was a no brainer in our heads, Molly. Like it was like, I don't care if I have a five month old, like I'm coming down to go play and be a part of your program. Like, it is just a testament to who you are. So you're one of the greatest leaders, truly, from a player standpoint, a coach standpoint that I've ever met in my entire life. And I know there's a lot of coaches um, and parents. I mean, they're obviously leaders of their household that want to be great for their athletes. And I want I want them to know, like, did this come mostly from Murph? Is this mostly from you? Like, 
What are all the things, the elements that allowed you to get to this place? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I mean, you know, you are what, what you've been surrounded with your whole life, right? Um, so I can't really give my, I can't give myself much, you know, props. I think mom and dad, you know, my sister, my family growing up, they laid the hammer on me when they needed to. They loved me when they needed to. It was, I couldn't have asked for better support. They came in this weekend. They actually flew in from Nashville, got in the car and drove in to be there for the Celebrity Weekend too. Um, so their their leadership's been a, an incredible example for me growing up. And then of course, you know, I had the privilege and, and I say this, not, but we had a lot of turnover with coaches that I had, you know, before Alabama and then after Alabama and being able to learn and take, you know, Murph is just incredible. He's perfect, right? Like if anybody can even aspire to be half the man or woman, you know, to be like him, it's just, that's what you want, right? You want, you want to have the impact that he has on his players and former players and but everybody else that I played for or coached with, they all had incredible qualities, like incredible. Shannon Depking, who who I, you know, was an assistant coach for as soon as I left Murph, like great human being, incredible qualities. And so, you know, you just almost kind of create like, who do you want to be as a coach? And then, you know, write it down. And, and I, wrote my, I wrote mine down, you know, if I want players to describe me in 10 years. I want them to say this and I keep it on my computer. And then, you know, I'll look at it every once in a while, remind myself, why am I doing this? Like what's important right now? Um, so I attribute it to every single person I've come in contact with. I love it. Um, do you mind sharing a few of those things like that you write down that's on your computer or is it private? Oh no. I mean, it's, uh, so I, I would say the first thing is, uh, when I wrote it down years ago, it was before I took the head job and I was reading a book. Gosh, what was it called? I can't remember right now. And it talked about your qualities, right? So as a leader, you have certain qualities that are really good and you have certain qualities that aren't good. Nobody's perfect at anything, but in order to lead, if you want your team to embody qualities, they have to be your strengths. You can't like, I mean, I can't tell my team to eat the exact amount of protein or vegetables a day because I'm not going to do it, right? So they're not going to buy into it. And so that's where SHIP came from, where you saw that everywhere in our building, SHIP. Yes, selfless. So it stands for selfless, hardworking, impactful, and positive. And so what we what I did was I took those words and I was like, okay, perfect. And, you know, because I had like 20 you know, things that describe me as a human being. And then I just kind of broke them down and I'm like, okay, ship is perfect because number one, I'm probably one of the most competitive people you ever meet. So championships, right? We're on a quest for championships and you can't get it without the ship. You got to have those four. I'm also passionate about relationships. I'm also passionate about worship and fellowship. And we're going to have hardships. And what is it going to do to get you through? And so that's kind of what started our identity here. Uh, when I took the job is them embodying those core values in the best way that they can. And so me as a, you know, as the head coach, I've got to be aware of everything I do has to be in the team's best interest. I got to work harder than anyone. We tell them at the beginning of the year, as hard as you're going to work, I promise our coaching staff will work harder. I've got to constantly make an impact. And then I've also got to be positive, but also be positive in a way that, Hey, this is positive for the program. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Um, mm. 
So that's a little insight. There's more, but that's just a snippet. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of coaches that don't know how to tell their players what they need to hear mm-hmm. because they don't, you know, they don't want to be looked at different. They don't want to be judged, but like, how are you able to do that? How are you able to tell your players what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, um, but do it in a way to where they're on board, yeah. you know, and don't roll their eyes. For sure. Well, the the first part's obviously creating that relationship, right? Like, you know, they, they know, and, and I would hope that each one of you or each, each one of them would, if you asked them if I loved them, they'd say, absolutely. Like, there's no question. Um, this is a Murphism that I took from him is a phrase called honesty for greatness. Mm. What it means is if I'm honest with you, you might hate me for two days, but if I lie to you, you'll hate me forever. And so it's this, it's idea of, you know, you might not want to hear what I have to say and you might be pissed at me because I told you something that you don't want to hear. But if I don't tell you and you keep doing it, it's going to affect you forever. And so it kind of, you know, a lot of times when we have these these challenging conversations, I'll preface with that. Hey, you know, I love you. Honesty for greatness. This is what we need to do moving forward. This is unacceptable or, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But you can't do that without trust. Exactly. You can't do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you started with that. And I'm pretty sure he did mention that, but I'm glad it's mentioned again uh. on this podcast because... That's important. And I think he even shared how before he even says the thing, he's just like, are you ready to hear something that you don't want to hear? Yeah. And I think I think that that too is just a testament to, um, you know, not being afraid to hold back because if you do hold back, you're kind of, you're really hurting your team yeah. if you're not saying the thing that needs to be said. And I know, I know you've trained your players to kind of take on that role as well. Like, I'm not sure if you have team captains, but I I know you have some people on your team that aren't afraid to have those types of conversations. How are you able to kind of pass that torch to some athletes on your team that can then do the same to hold their team accountable? How do you how do you instill that? You know, actually that's been one of the most challenging, you know, I think obstacles that we've had is trying to get them to, hey, look, friends you go to the movies with, teammates you go to battle with. Um, Mm. right. And when you're on the field, like your teammates. And so what we've, um, what we did was we actually called, um, an organization called the program to come in and work our team out in, uh, probably the middle of September. So about a month ago and they came in and I told them biggest issue is accountability. It's really easy for the coaches to do it, but we don't see everything. And and the best teams are player led teams, right? They're, They're player led. And uh, they emphasize it over and over. Um, They talked about, you know, you're nice to your friends, but you are kind for your teammates. So being nice is different than being kind. So I could be nice all day and say, hey, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're this, you're this. But being kind is saying what you need to say because you're being kind for them. So whatever they need to hear. And it was re- it's really neat. And so I think they've really grabbed onto that. And every day since they left that practice, we're, we're working on it more and more of, hey, you've got three seconds to fix the issue. So if we see bad body language, nobody fixes it. You know, hey, right then and there, you have to do whatever. And, and it's not so much, I hate punishment. It's, it's more so accountability, awareness of like, hey, what's going around? It's okay to say that, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So what are the type of things in the locker room or on the field that you're praising? 
anything that's good anything and everything so it could be something as small as we played last night um we had a right fielder who went for a ball in foul territory hit her glove dropped out missed it completely and i tell them the most important three seconds are the three seconds following a mistake where you're embarrassed Mm. and right away she looked straight at our pitcher and she said i got you do it again i got you and she goes back to right field. Next pitch, kid hits a laser to right center. And our kid runs over, runs over, catches it behind her back. I mean, incredible catch. And so it's that's praiseable, right? Not not the error, but the reaction. Um, yeah. We have injured players that bring water to their teammates because they they can't compete, right? They, they bring water to their teammates. That's praiseable. You just have to find it and look for it because a lot of the girls don't realize, you know, what kind of difference you can make in a positive way in whatever situation you're in. Yeah. And that's you leading by example. If you're finding things, positive things to then praise, then it's like you said, like the players will start looking for that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, that's definitely a a leadership by example moment. But how cool is that? Like, I think I got goosebumps when you mentioned to that player, like, Hey, I got you on the next one. Yeah. Like this is going to sound so stupid, but I, when I was playing first base this week at your game, in my head, I was like, I haven't been here in like eight years. So like the whole time, I'm just like, don't screw up. You know, like <laughs> don't screw up. And I, and I tell my athletes not to say those things. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, I literally would just turn to my teammate to my right, to my left, who I've never played with before. And I'm like, Sid, I got this one for you. And she's just like, sounds good. And like, again, it's, it's, it's a competitive game, but it's definitely the most fun game I think I've ever played in. Yeah. But like, you know, how cool was it? When, you know, you have an alumni come play second base and she makes this stud play and I freaking, I just did it. I ran up to her. I'd give her a chest bump. I'm like, that was sick. That was awesome. But like, I'm, I'm telling you, and I was nervous in that situation. I just like put my energy into someone else and all of a sudden I'm feeling better, you know? Yep. You celebrate the successes of others and you stop worrying about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I finally got to practice the thing that I preach to my athletes all the time, which is so fun. I love it. Um, it's insane. But yeah, so I really want to know from because you're recruiting, you're getting players to come join your program. I know you mentioned to me like competitiveness is important and the fact that you brought in the program proves it that that's not an easy two days. No. No. With the program. of recruiting and feel lost, overwhelmed, or simply don't know what to say to college coaches, I was there too. Whether you're just starting out or have been doing this a while, I wanted to create something that you can tangibly have on hand to help you go into future calls and emails with potential coaches with confidence and feeling more prepared for what's to come. I've developed a recruiting checklist that houses questions that you could be asked from college coaches, a list of unique questions you can ask to help separate you from others, and also a list of what to do before and after those calls. And I want you to have it for absolutely free. 
just head to www.ashleybtraining.com slash recruiting checklist, and you'll be sent the checklist in minutes so you can get right to work. This journey is supposed to be enjoyable, not stressful. So download your free recruiting checklist today and use it however you need to, to get that feeling of being more prepared and excited for this season instead of dreading it. Remember, it is www.ashleybtraining.com slash recruiting checklist. You can also find this in the show notes as well. And let's get to work. Also, if you want a few more tips on the recruiting process, head to episodes 42 and 48 with Tisha Mahon, where we discuss more things communication, really learning and understanding your why, and a few ways of how to stand out on social media and at camps. All right, let's head back to the show. But what are some of those, you know, intangibles that you want to see, that you want to find with a player to come join your program, that you're, you know, out on the road looking for players? What are those intangibles? No doubt. Um, so, of course, you know, it's it's real easy to spot talent. That's the number one thing, right? We're, we're, we're here to win games, okay? And um, that's why people hire us. And so when we go out recruiting, it's real easy to, to, to spot talent. And it makes me laugh every time I go to a camp and people are like, you know, what do I have to do to stand out? And it's like, be really good at softball. Like, if you're really good at softball, you stand out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we do is we take it one step further. So, okay, we know she's, you know, we know she's really good on the field. Then we start calling. Okay, what what does other people say about her? Right? What what do other people think of her? Think of her that play with her and play against her. And then when we get them to campus, now we really start the interview process of who she is as a person. So we get her in front of our girls as much as possible. So lunches and, and our girls know same thing with honesty for greatness. If I bring someone in that they're like, coach, it ain't a fit. Their job is to tell me right away. Mm. And it, that that's, that's, it's their team. And um, one of my favorite questions is I'll ask them, what's your greatest strength in softball? So they could say, you know, pitching or hitting or whatever. And so if they say pitching, I'll say, okay, so if I took away pitching tomorrow and you couldn't pitch for the rest of your life, what would you bring to the program? And just smack them with that, right? Like if I took away your best ability on the field, what would you, and what could you contribute to our program? And uh, it makes me laugh. Sometimes they'll be like defense. And I'm like, no, 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 like nothing on the field, right? Like if I took that away, what would you bring? And so then, you know, we've had some awesome answers of, you know, energy, effort, excitement, you know, whatnot. And that tells us a lot about, you know, who they are as people. Mm, that's awesome. That like, honestly, I got, I was like, oh my gosh, are you asking me this question? Cause I don't know how I'd answer it. You know, that's, <laughs> but that's gold. Yeah. It's true. Like you will see like, cause that's not an easy answer for anybody. No, no. And it, nobody wants to think about what could happen. Yeah. And then but it, it makes them look deeper. Exactly. And then, it, you know, if they come here, it's like, okay, cool. So that intangible that you told me, you bring every single day. Some days you're going to hit well, some days you're not. But that intangible is consistent. And, yeah. you know, you kind of lay it out right off the bat with the expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back on this past weekend, one of the mornings we got to sit down with your team 
and answer questions. So it's kind of like a panel. So all of us celebrities were in the front. Um, you led a lot of questions, but that was one of my most, my favorite moments from the whole weekend, truly, because I got to learn from those sitting next to me, you know, the competitiveness of each person. What were some of those questions and answers that kind of you in your head are never going to forget? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think I was so excited to see you guys, right? So <laughs> the reason I had so many questions was because I had literally written down an entire page of questions because I was so excited, <laughs> right? Like, our girls are all nervous and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to ask this, this, this. And I had like 15 questions. But I think one of the best ones was Odyssey's answer. And, and I don't remember exactly what the question was, but she talked about having an attitude of gratitude. I might've asked her about, you know, pressure and how she sees that in the game. And, you know, when you're doing athletes unlimited and it's, you know, pressure to get points and whatnot. And the way she views it with the attitude of gratitude that she had is she's like, man, I get to do this, right? Like, okay, I gave up a home run. Guess what? I, I still get to throw another pitch or that to me was incredible. And I know we joked at it when we were at brunch and I was having you guys sign everything with the Sharpies and Odyssey was like, come on, Molly, or something like that. And then someone says to Odyssey, hey, at least you can write. You know, <laughs> I, I just like, joke. it was hilarious. But yeah, um, and, and she was just kidding, obviously, you know, but that stuck out to me. And then I loved um, when Amanda Scarborough was talking about, you know, you're either in or you're out. Like when you say yes, it's either a, Yes. Or when you say mm -hmm. no, it's an absolutely not. And how a lot of us just filter in the middle with certain things where we're unsure. It's like, no, you're either all in or you're all out. There's no in between. And I thought that was really neat. Uh, amongst mm -hmm. other things, I got tons of notes. So yeah, that. I mean, you had many players that were like you writing down everything yeah. that, that came to mind. But that also reminds me, I was talking to someone this weekend and they were saying how literally in your interview for this job, you walk in with the AD with an entire binder <laughs> of things that you're like, I want to bring this to the table. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this needs to change. I did. And I'm like, that's a testament to who you are. Like you are always trying to make the footsteps that you get to go walk. You're trying to make that moment better, this place better yeah, than I, when you found it. I most definitely did. I warned them too. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Like, they, they, we're, we're going to be pushing the envelope and, you know, doing things. And um, the AD that hired me is was incredible, super supportive. And, and I'll never forget, you know, we're in a pandemic and Coach Wodak and I have this Excel sheet of a dream leadership center that we have no idea if we'll ever create. And I walk into his office. Um, it was maybe July, early June, or maybe early July, late June. And sit down with him. And I'm like, okay, we got a plan. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, we're going to raise money to build this for softball. And all I'm asking is your blessing. I'm not asking for any money. We're going to figure it out. We're in a pandemic. I know it's crazy. And he goes, you do know we're in a pandemic, right? And I go, yes, sir. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Right. Like, I just, I just need your blessing. And he kind of looked at me, looked away and he's like, okay, go for it. Have fun. And then, you know, six weeks later, I'm in his office and He's like, how much have you raised? And we're like, $847,000. And he's like, what? You know, and his support throughout all of it, and even our, our athletic director now, their support is is unreal. Even when, you know, there's some limitations with what we can and can't do from a 
from a budgetary standpoint. Um, but of course we think outside the box, um, at the end of the day, our young ladies know that, that not having the money is not going to be a reason that we don't do something that they need and we'll figure it out, whatever we have to do. Mm. Okay. I have to ask, what are the key elements to raising 800 and what'd you say? $47,000 in six weeks. Like I, I know, and I know how much you love your community of Monroe. Like I literally asked you the question. I'm just like, how is it here? And you're like, these are the salt of the earth type of people. Like, tell me about this. I need to know. They are. Um, I tell every recruit, so like, how do you describe Monroe? And I'm like, it's a big hug from your grandmother. That, like, that's what it is. It's a big hug from grandma. There's nothing flashy. We don't have a five-star mall, right? We don't have anything like that. We don't need it. You know, we've got the people and that's the most important part. And um it, it started big with, um, of course, the, the naming rights, the facility. And then once we secured the anchors, which was Gretchen and Carol, when they, you know, agreed to do the naming rights, at that point, that was a good chunk of money. And we started doing um, individual meetings with, with community members. So I had a whole PowerPoint, maybe 25 slides of what this is going to do, what do we currently have, what do we need, and, you know, kind of giving them a vision and I'll never forget, we'd be sitting there and then um, they're like, well, how much you need? And I'm like, it depends. Like, what can you do? And, you know, it was like 50, 100, 25, 50. And we had um, a couple in one meeting and then a, the brother of that couple in another meeting. So there's two couples in a meeting once and I get done with the PowerPoint. And then the brother, he goes and he whispers into his wife's ear. And then his wife looks at me and his wife's like, okay. And the the brother says, we're going to, you know, do $25,000 right away. And this was like 30 seconds after I got done. And then the brother looks at his sister, who's the other couple, right? And he looks at his sister and he goes, you matching or what? Just like that. <laughs> so like within two minutes, I mean, it was like 50 grand, just, I mean, right away. And then... You know, and then when you get in these rooms and you're talking about, hey, this is how much we've raised already and people get excited and, and they can see it with you and share the vision and feel it. And then they get attached and they love our players. And it's it's an, it's a no brainer. There is so much loyalty yeah. in Monroe, so much. But yeah. it's a testament to sharing, you know, what the vision and how you can like see the vision. If you can see the vision clearly and the purpose of the vision, and get excited about the vision. Yeah. The amount of buy-in you can surround yourself with is insane. Like yeah. your players were so grateful to show us around your new facility. <laughs> like they were like, look at this element. Like, look how it says ship on the wall. Like this, this is our, you know, this is what we live by. And like they were so bought in. Yeah. Like, how cool was it to take down the curtain yeah. and show them what you, but also they have built. Yep. A hundred percent. It's, it's them. I mean, one of the graphics, I don't know if you remember the graphic in the lounge, it's got the big photo of the team. And then it says, if gratitude is all you have, then that's enough. Um, mm. And I'll never forget. We do a quote before every practice since I've been here quote before the practice and we get after it. And we have a senior Madison Blunt on the team. And one day it was me and a couple of players and we're talking about the quotes every day. And I'm like, do you guys even remember any quotes? Like, what's your favorite one? You know, and, and Madison Blunt literally says, if gratitude is all you have, then that's enough. And I was like, 
when was that? It was two years earlier. And I was like, okay, that stuck with her. That's going in there. Mm. And so they created it, right? Like the sayings, all of that, like they've created that. We just, you know, we just put it in there. And, you know, at the grand opening, when we opened the facility last August, we invited all the community out there. So we had probably 350 people out in right field. And what we did was the players, it was a surprise for them. So they had never been in it. So we do the grand opening. We have the event. We cut the ribbon as a group with everybody. Well, then as everyone ate, our players got to go through it for the first time with us while everybody mm. And so they got to see it for the first time. And then when they were done, they got to give the tours to all the community members and everybody that came. So it's wow. even more special because they're so excited that some of these, some of them are donors and they don't know it. And they're like, look at this, look at this. And you know, the donors are sitting back saying, yeah, I paid for that. You know, That's my room. Like- <laughs> That's my room, right? Um, yeah. So just, just incredible. Um, I'm telling you right now, like as young as I am, uh, not many people ever get to experience what we've experienced here in a lifetime and being a part of it. I could give the tour and coach Wodak gets really mad at me with recruits because I try to keep it short, but every room in there has a story and it could take me two hours to walk through every room and explain everything about every meeting and, you know, every moment that that room that that's created the facility. Um, and I haven't given it to the team, you know, cause obviously we're waiting on that to, to get more care hours, so to say. Right. But it's just unbelievable. Mm, that's so neat. And again, your players just, they, they're still in awe, you know, it's a year later, they're still in awe of what they get to walk into. And I don't think they take it for granted, Molly. I really don't. How, how are you going to make sure that like, Five years from now, it's not taken for granted. Ten years from now, it's not taken for granted. You know, I, I that that is something that we've talked about, right? Where you know the the recruits coming in now, this is their expectation, right? Like this is what they've always seen. They they haven't seen before. I think it's important to keep the alumni involved, right? Of like yeah. what it used to be. Like you guys have it good to give that perspective. I think one of the biggest perspectives was this weekend when you guys came in and seeing you guys in awe with your with your accolades and, and accomplishments and y'all are in all with it, it makes the girls even more appreciative because they're like, wow, yeah, I was kind of getting used to it. And, you know, and they're constantly reminded too. So, you know, those little things, uh, but, you know, the minute they take it for granted, they ain't going to have it. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know. You We're going to lock it up. <laughs> I think the funniest thing is that like from you as a teammate, you are like the sweetest, kindest. I don't think I've ever heard you yell in my entire life. And we're asking your players, like, does Molly yell? And they're like, oh, Molly yells. Like, <laughs> she doesn't yell a lot, but when she does, like, we are all deer in headlights. And they yeah. talk about the vein. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think clearly you're going to make sure those standards are taken care of. But I think that's one of the most important things that when you have something great is to hold on to it and pretend like it's new every single day, yeah. you know? And like, it's, it's tough in this society, Ashley. I mean, 10 seconds and you're scrolling to the next thing, right? On Whether it's TikTok yeah. or Facebook or it's just everything. It's like, what, what's next? What's next? What's next? Nothing, nothing sticks like it used to. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why I've spent a lot of this time talking about this facility because not many programs have it this good. Yeah. Like you have built something incredibly special yeah. in Monroe, Louisiana. Like, let's go. Let's like, go. I think it's incredible. And so, um, yeah, I remember walking into each one of those rooms just going, what? <laughs> like my first field at Purdue, we were, we literally had an outhouse to use the restroom in. And like, now we have this really expensive facility, but like it's, it's perspective. Yeah. But we all were pumped to see it. It's, oh. Especially, I mean, especially that video room. Come on. Like that's, that's sick. Yeah. That's sick. What's to come? What's oh, to come for ULM? You know, that's a great question. Um, well, I can tell you we've hit more home runs this fall than I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so that's obviously exciting with our new hitting coach, Daniel Shipley. He's doing an unbelievable job. You know, we definitely have the athletes. There's no doubt about it. Um, we're getting better athletes year in and year out, especially, you know, with with um, facilities comes, you know, high caliber athletes. And um, truly, so they're, they're filtering in now. We've got a great freshman group. We've got some incredible transfers that came in. Um, from junior college and they're winners, right? One of the junior college girls that we brought in, she's won the national championship two years in a row. She doesn't know, wow. but winning. Um, and that's what we Love want. It. You know, that's, that's what we want is to, to change that mindset into a winning program. There's also some facility upgrades that we still have coming um, that, uh, you know, adding extra seating in the outfield student section, closing in the batting cage, things like that. Um, of course, one day we'd love a stadium. Um, I, I don't know when that's going to happen uh, or what the timeline looks on that. Uh, but I know that, you know, that would be great to, to add more seating because I think you saw this week and we had a lot of people standing out there just for the first ever celebrity game. Uh, so we might have to change venues next year considering, you know, how much hype there was uh, afterwards. I know people have written about it, called me, asked me what in the world. I've gotten emails about how did you even do it? And I'm mm -hmm. like, I didn't do anything. Like, it was all them. It's the celebrities. You know, that's... You what dreamed it and you got the right people behind you. Uh, it's... That's... I, I was telling my parents about this too. I'm like, you know, I don't know if there's another sport. And there could be, right? But I don't know if there's another sport that you can pick up the phone and just call... 11 celebrities like y'all and each one of them pick up and say, you just tell me when and where like that doesn't happen, you know? Um, and so I, I love it for softball. You know, I love it for, you know, you guys and of course growing the game and uh, hope that we can uh, continue doing it. You will, you will. And if anybody can do it, we know Molly can do oh it hundred percent. 100%. No, truly, you have you are one of the biggest lights as a human that I've ever met. Like you just instill every everyone you touch literally becomes better Aww. because of you. So, Aww. I'm just honored that you could be on the show today. Are you okay if I ask you five rapid fire questions? I call them five to thrive. Let's get it. To wrap us up today. Okay. Fantastic. I was saying this before. I'm like if anybody can do it, it's Molly. It's it's go time. This is this is your new game. This is your new challenge. First and foremost, what was the wildest game you've ever played in before? Dying to know. Wildest game. Hope. I want to say from a playing aspect. From a playing aspect. Probably playing Kentucky in the Women's College World Series my senior year. Mm. It was wild um, with 
how many people were on base for them and how many times we kept getting out of innings. And I'll never forget, we were like in the seventh inning. We were up two to zero. They were home. Bases are loaded, no outs. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And um, Coach Steph Van Brakel, pro throw, who's at Memphis, she she was a pitching coach. She walked out and she said, okay, this is what's going to happen. Jackie, you're going to strike her out with an off-speed drop. And then, Danae, I want you at the middle. You and Hunt are going to turn a double play, and then we're going to end the inning. And she walks back to the dugout. And I'm, like, sitting there, Ashley, and I'm like, Jackie, did you hear that? Like, is that what we're really doing? Right? She walks back to the dugout. Next pitch, off-speed drop. Kid swings and misses. Strike. Okay, out. She's out. Strike three. Next kid fists a base. Not a base hit, but fists it. Ground ball up the middle. Hunt and Danae turn a double play. We get out of the inning. I like wild. <laughs> what just happened? But other than that, I don't, cool. I, I don't remember too many memories other than that. I just, I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. yeah wow. That's insane. I think, um, you know, when it comes down to it, you are probably one of the players that like understands the game more than anyone. You're just always been a student of the game, but as a catcher, you have to see the game differently, yeah. like truly. And we didn't talk a whole lot about catching. Maybe next time you're on, we can talk more about like the strategy of the game and, um, being behind the plate, but what is an element of catching that you love most? Why do you love being a catcher? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I did try to pitch at one point, and you know, I got about two two pitches in, and my dad was like, "I'm sick of playing fetch. I want to play catch from <laughs> here on." Right? Uh, I love your dad. Talk uh, about parents keeping us humble. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and I I just loved it. I loved being able to to see the field and read it. I think one of my most favorite parts of catching was managing personnel right and that, that's what i think um a lot of catchers you know you look at the major league baseball or you look at incredible coaches and a lot of them have been catchers you know you look at leah wodak she's an incredible coach and she was a catcher it's managing the personnel ma- managing the personalities of who do, who can you push who do you have to give a little bit more love to and then what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And then tailoring that to their physical ability. Um, mm. That's one thing that I just loved about catching was trying to figure out, you know, what pitchers needed when. You go out, you call time. This pitcher might need this. This pitcher might need this. What do they need? What is their body saying? What can I do to help get the most out of their performance? Mm. Yeah, you got. I never thought about catching that way. Catching was that one thing where it was like your pitching experience. I, I tried it one <laughs> inning and I blinked every time. <laughs> And I like missed it. No. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. Like you got to have like the eagle eye yeah. and like see what's going on and manage everything. And yeah, I don't think that's ever been mentioned on the podcast. So if if y'all didn't hear that, rewind a few seconds and re-listen to that because that is huge. I know you love Murph more than pff, a lot of people in this world. <laughs> if you could take one lesson from him, just one, you can only take one, what would it be? Mm, there's so many good Murphisms, Ashley. This is really challenging. Um, I know we had him on the podcast, dropping them every five seconds. <laughs> gosh, you know, I'd probably say with Murph, I think one thing that sums him up the most that everybody admires is when he says the best is yet to come. It doesn't matter where you are in life. If you've hit the jackpot, if you've won the national championship, if you've lost the national championship, He's going to say the best is yet to come. And I think when you look at it now, looking back, you know, a little bit older and out of it is 
he was giving hope and he constantly gives hope and he gives inspiration that tomorrow will be better than today. And it just gives you like this feeling of, heck yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Mm. I'm going to keep going. And so I think that sums Murph up. Um, He, I mean, just last week I got a letter in the mail from Murph and he just wrote me a handwritten note and just wanted to say hello and tell me he was proud of me. He's got a lot going on, you know, and the fact that he would just sit there and write a card and send it and it's got meaning, you know, there's meaning behind it. He's the most incredible mentor. The best decision of my life was going and learning under Murph. There's no doubt about Mm. it. That's so cool. I'll have to replay this one, this part for him. Oh yeah. (laughs) But he'll never take the credit. That's the amazing thing. He's so, he's so humble. Um, But yeah, I never played for him, (laughs) but I'm like, you're a mentor to me. Like, I just, I just want to, I just want to learn from him. I don't, I don't blame you for bringing a notebook in and writing down everything that he says um, at all. But I think that's absolutely incredible and a testament to, you know, it's, is it a huge reason? Is he a huge reason why you coach? No doubt. I mean, there, there. I think he changed the why behind coaching for me. I think I always knew I wanted to coach, but I didn't understand the impact that you could make. I just knew I loved the game. And then when I saw what he did and, and how he coached and the intangibles he brought, I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't just... This isn't just a job. We're not here to just win. We're here to make an impact. And this is what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. I love that answer. I'm switching up. I, I was going to ask you something, but I want to ask you a different question. How would you define leadership? Ooh. Good leadership, I should say. Good leadership. So <laughs> it's funny you ask me because in the program, you know, we had leadership defined for us. And I think it's great. Uh, I'm going to give you their verbiage and then I'll probably do a little bit in my terms of it. But number one is accomplishing the mission. And mm-hmm. then number two is taking care of your people. And in that order. So at the end of the day, a leader, your job is to make sure that you accomplish whatever's in front of you, whatever that looks like. So, you know, if it's you got to do this drill correctly or this, you have to make sure that you, your your team does it. And then secondly, you got to take care of your people. So with that being said, you know, to me, and I'm I'm gonna be vulnerable here for a second. Is sometimes I flip the two because I just want to take care of everybody, right? I want to mm-hmm. make sure they're taken care of, you know, at all costs. At the end of the day, I'm still learning too as a leader. But I think that with the program defining that for leadership, it makes it real easy. There's so many definitions that I've gotten about leadership from books. And I, I read just like you, right? Um, and I take bits and pieces here and there. And I would say leadership is not a license to do less. It's always going to be a responsibility to do more. Mm. There's no doubt. So can you repeat that one more time? Yep. Leadership. That was gold. Oh, you like that? <laughs> leadership is not a license to do less. It's always a responsibility to do more. And so, mm. yeah. Mm, how would such you a good define answer. it? Can I ask you a question? How would you how define- how would I define leadership? Well, it's funny because I took the program twice, ah. <laughs> and I also I also coached a team that also went through the program. I you can't really top that, you know. And I I do feel myself in the same shoes as you in regards to I just want to make sure everybody's you know taken care of before myself, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. And like there is an amount of selflessness that's important to be a leader, like. I will give you the shirt off my back, but back to the mission, like 
it's in order to accomplish the mission. Right. You know, like when you can kind of put those two together. Yeah, hands down. I mean, I, I like to associate definitions with people. And like, I know we've talked about Merck Vuitton, but like you, even you, I've said this already twice, three times on this podcast, like you in my mind are one of the greatest leaders. And it's because you, you're competitive, which is great. But also you want success, not just for yourself, but for everybody that you're touching, you know, like you can see that and envision that. So I think there's so many definitions you can, you can say for leadership, but yeah, if you want to get things done and you get the right people behind you, like I asked Murph the same question and he was, uh, he talked about the video where it's like at a concert. I think he said he played it like every single year where there's just like one random dude just like dancing really obnoxiously oh, and yeah. silly. On the hill. And then, yeah, on the hill. And um, then the next person comes up and then they start doing it. And then all of a sudden it just like trickles and everybody at this concert starts dancing like that. Like it just like, yeah, nobody asked him to do it, but here we are, you yep. know? Yeah. But yeah, creating creating good followers is also, I think, a an important part of leadership, but I've never been asked a question on this podcast. So thank you. Oh, thank you for being the first truly honored. Okay. So that was four questions. I have one more for you. And I also asked Murph this question. How do you hope that your players leave your program? Oh man, better than they came in. Right. Um, whatever that looks like, I want them to leave confident. I want them to leave knowing that they can achieve anything that they want to. And that's that's to me the most important thing. Um, if they leave with a career high batting average in ULM history, but you know, they're a two cent character person, I didn't do my job. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, in a in a perfect world, they're they're a better human being. Um, and they've got a ring on one finger and a diploma on the other hand, right? In mm-hmm. the other hand. So I'd say that's probably the most important to me and then sustaining those relationships over the years. And I think one of the neatest things is I've got players from last year that graduated out, which was the first class I came in with, and they've got job opportunities all over, you know, the surrounding states and they decide to stay in Monroe, Louisiana. Hmm. Like, like That's awesome. You know, that's, that's awesome. And they want to give back to the program and do anything they can to help. And, um, you know, it's just, that kind of stuff. That's incredibly special. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And I think along with what you just said is you know those those people that you're like helping, you know, flourish and like they're little caterpillars when they come in and they become these butterflies. It's like every kid's different. Yeah. But like I'm sure you're one of those leaders that like pours so much into each individual because they're all different but they, they're definitely coming out better. Oh, well. They're I, definitely I, coming out better. I hope so. It's fun to watch. And, and I'm sure Murph, um, you know, sees this as well. We've never talked about it, but, you know, the freshman year they come in and they're shy and they're nervous. And, you know, you tell them, hey, when you meet a stranger, your job is to give them a good handshake and you teach them how to give a proper handshake. Right. And eight steps to a proper handshake. Thank you, Patrick Murphy. Right. Taught me and everybody. Mm-hmm. Else. And you see their freshman year, they get so nervous and they're so like, you know, kind of timid. And and then you watch the development until they're, and, you know, and now they're a senior. And it is like they are going up to people and just, hey, you know, my name is Molly Fickner. Great to meet you. And they're just so confident. There's a different aura about them. 
And that to me is fun to watch too. Like as they develop and they become more confident and, and, you know, more in tune to who they are as people. It's, it's great. I should ask Murph if he ever has noticed that. I'm sure he has. Yeah. I'm sure he has. It's a beautiful thing. And you're a beautiful human. I'm so grateful that you could spend part of your day with us. This has been such a fun conversation. And will you come back again and talk about, you know, leadership behind the plate and catching? Oh my gosh. Whenever. Actually, I would do anything for you. This podcast is (laughs) awesome. Um, I appreciate all you're doing for the sport. I know we talked about it as celebrities and and I know Amanda Scarborough had incredible things to say about you in front of everyone about what you're doing for the youth and everybody else, parents that are going through this process. And it's just, we need more people like you. Can we just, Mm. can we, uh, what is it called? Uh, Just give five Ashley Burkhardt eagles. (laughs) Spread the word as possible. I think we need a bunch of Mollies too. (laughs) Yeah. I think everybody needs a Molly in their life, but no, incredibly grateful to have you on. Incredibly grateful to be invited to come down. I will, I will definitely be back with Barrett and we will be running the bases together. No doubt. Sounds awesome, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I love you, friend. All right, love you. Bye. I told you, you were going to love Molly. And the fact that she could accomplish so much for this program and the community of Monroe in a matter of just like four years is absolutely insane. She is the absolute real deal. And I truly believe that's because she believes she's in the people business. And that's how... She's been able to be so successful for her team, helping them win and helping them transform their entire program for the better. When she talked about how no one was going to outwork her and her staff, I absolutely felt that. If you are a leader of your household, a leader of a team, a leader of anyone, you have to show people what it takes to become great. Outwork the people around you. Show them that you care. And that's how you'll develop trust. I literally cannot wait to get back down to Monroe, Louisiana, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of When the Cleats Come Off, make sure you're not only subscribed because you'll get a notification as soon as each episode drops on your phone if you do, but also it would mean the world if you left a review. It's just about the easiest way you can promote the podcast other than word of mouth and help get the word out. And don't forget to join the When the Cleats Come Off Facebook community where you can share some of your favorite moments from each episode with a community eager to learn how they can be better for their athletes too. You can find that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. And I am so excited to create more episodes like this one for you. The game is way more fun when we start embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly. So don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. I'll see you next week.